afternoon, good evening, wherever you are in the world, welcome to the Speakers Inc. We Speak Global Speakers Showcase Series. We continue today with another fantastic speaker. My name is Dwayne. It gives me great pleasure to be able to introduce her, ask her a couple of questions afterwards. And remember, once we've done all of that, please log on to speakersinc.com and find out more about Verity. Yes, her name is Verity. Her name is Verity Price. Let me tell you a little more about her. In 2021, Verity made history when she became the sixth woman and only the first speaker from Africa to ever win the Toastmasters World Championship of Public Speaking. Let's give her a round of applause before she even starts. The contest gave her the platform to share with the world how we can all write a different story about the difficult times we've been navigating and to show just how easy it is to change our experience of life and radically improve our results. You are going to enjoy this in a very different way today. Verity has got a lovely warmth about her. She's got a lovely message. So ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Verity Price. When I was a little girl, I used to love snuggling on my dad's lap while he would read me fairy tales. Not surprisingly, I grew up wanting the fairy tale. If I could be happily married to a gorgeous prince with beautiful children, amazing house, a perfect career by 30, I would be happy. I never imagined that I would turn 40, unmarried, no children, career going nowhere, and living in my sister and brother-in-law's spare room. For my ego, that was a scary tale. So I hid in the spare room, eating ice cream, watching Netflix, wishing my life was different. Now, have you ever noticed in your life that when you are at your worst, you always run into someone at their best? It was a Tuesday. I kind of dragged myself to the shops thinking, I'm just going to buy some ice cream. No one I know could possibly be there. And there she was that friend. You know the one. Their life is perfect and they tell you. I was stuck with my hand on a fridge door having to hear how happily ever after her life had turned out. <laughs> married with children and you just bought a new house and you've been promoted. Me. I'm great wanted to die. My life was a mess. I was a mess. My room was a mess. But when I got home, I did what my mom said you should always do when life is not going well. Tidy your cupboards. I don't know if your mom gave you the same advice, but that was always said if you're struggling, if things aren't going well, just tidy your cupboards. And it was while I was doing that, that I uncovered a box of letters, letters I'd kept over the years. And right in the middle, I pulled out a letter that my dad had written to me three months before he died. It's one of those moments just seeing his handwriting just flooded me with grief. And when I got to the closing paragraph, I was floored. 16 years earlier, he'd written to me saying, Verity, your life is a book. And if you're not enjoying the read, write a different story. Work on an attitude of gratitude and watch for a miracle because I'm watching too. 
I actually think I hold the letter up to the sky and said, come on, dad, how? How do, how do I write a different story about this? And I put it down and I tried not to think about it because everywhere I looked, everyone else's story was better than mine. I don't know about you, but I spent a lot of my time on Facebook just saying, oh, my word, look how perfect their lives are. Look how fantastic it's going for them. I, my Facebook feed was filled with those friends. But that letter just lay on my dresser looking at me. And it was like it was whispering my dad's words over and over in my mind, saying, write a different story. And that got me thinking about my dad. Uh, my dad wasn't a, a glass half full guy. He was the, aren't I lucky I've got a glass kind of guy. He had the most incredible attitude. When he was 60, he lost his job. We lost our home. And we were forced to start over living in a camper van. But the story that my dad told all of us was like, hey, we get to live like we're on holiday. He never once complained that he'd gone from a corner office to selling insurance door to door. Instead, he would come home each night and say, V, I'm working on my sales skills. And the last time that my dad and I ever spoke, he was on the way to the hospital. And you know what he said to me? Don't worry, you know I love breakfast in bed. stood in my room and I was just flooded with shame. My whole life I'd been given the most incredible example of how to tell a different story. And so in that moment I decided that I was going to pick up my pen and start writing a different story about my life. So I looked at that friend and I thought you know what 40 is going to be my best chapter. I looked at the spare room and I thought well, this is my safe place. I get to start over here. How lucky am I? I looked at my love life, and you know what I thought? I've got to stop kissing frogs. But the miracle that happened was when I started writing a different story about my circumstances, I went from feeling shameful to feeling grateful. For the first time in my life, I stopped worrying about where I wasn't, and I started enjoying where I was. And within six months, I'd moved out of the spare room, much to my sister's relief. Within a year, I'd met a prince, much to my relief. At 44, I had a baby boy, much to my doctor's disbelief. But my dad's letter, found at a opportune moment, just when I needed to hear his wisdom, what it had done was it had catapulted me into what positive psychologists have been discovering for years. That something as simple as us choosing to write a different story, to look at difficult circumstances with new eyes and find a new narrative can totally transform our experience of our lives. And what's exciting about this work is it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter what chapter of your life you're in. When you make that choice to write a different story, to tell a different story, everything changes. Now, the reason this excited me, not only had I turned my life around, not only was I feeling so much better, but I studied psychology. I did a degree in psychology at the University of Cape Town. And 
Never in all my textbooks did I discover that something as simple as being grateful or talking about circumstances differently could change your results so fundamentally. So I went back to the books and I discovered that the year that my dad had written me that letter, 1998, was the year that positive psychology was formed as a field by Martin Seligman and his contemporaries. And I immersed myself in every single study that I could find. I was so excited that my dad had been years ahead of everyone with understanding how easy it is for to change our experience. And I started seeing how could I take this and add this value to my clients? Because I turned my life around. I got myself off antidepressants. I got myself out of a spare room and I was back in the world living my best life. Where this work gets exciting for me is it totally backs up my experience. It turns out that only 10% of your long-term happiness, your long-term success comes from your external circumstances, only 10%. 50% is genetic, so we don't have control over that. But 40%, 40% of long-term happiness, long-term success comes from the choices you make every day. A little letter from my dad reminding me to work on an attitude of gratitude made me make a new choice. And when I saw how fundamentally that changed my life, I started seeing how do I take this forward into the world? A little bit more research. If you're familiar with Sean Accor, you might have read his book, The Happiness Advantage. And in that book, he spoke about a ratio that really excited me. It might scare you if you're in a business, but it might excite you when you actually understand the potential it contains. So this ratio is the fact that they're seeing that only 25% of long-term success professionally comes from IQ and skills. Only 25%. Now, this is interesting because what, what do we hire people on? We hire them for their IQ and their skills. But actually, what we should be focusing on is the 75% that contributes to long-term professional and personal success. And it's three things. Three attributes that you, me, everyone we know already has, but can enhance. Those three things you might be wondering, what are they? Are they soft skills? Well, yes, they are in a way, but they're three very simple concepts that if we improve this, we can write a different story in our organizations. Number one contributor to success, optimism levels. And I'm sure you've seen this, optimistic people just do better. When our brains are operating at positive, rather than negative, neutral, or stressed, we show up in a more positive and productive way. Optimistic people are 31% more productive, 37% better at sales. They're 40% more likely to get promoted and live longer. I think these are good arguments for why we want to enhance optimism and get people writing a different story. I was amazed to see that optimistic people are 23% less stressed, and they take 15 less sick days a year. So they actually affect our bottom line very significantly. So optimism levels contribute to long-term success. I've certainly experienced that personally. The second one is significant social connections. People that have got good social connections that feel like they belong, that they're valued, they do better. And this is why companies like Google spend so much money on their world-class canteens because they want their staff to eat together. Why? Because when they're eating together, they're laughing, they're talking, they're sharing stories, and they notice that people who'd had a good lunch hour were far more productive when they came back to the office. 
So social connections are key for ensuring that people are activating optimism in their lives and are getting better results. And the third attribute that contributes to 75% of your long-term success in life is your ability to see obstacles as opportunities. Now, I realized I grew up with a father who showed me that. He demonstrated that on a daily basis. It didn't matter what life was throwing at him. He turned it into an opportunity. He turned it into an opportunity for growth. He turned it into an opportunity for fun. And he turned it into an opportunity to enjoy his life, regardless of where he was. So those are three things that if we start creating a space for our staff and for our employees to feel that, we can transform the way we work. If we can boost optimism levels, if we can improve social connections, and we can ensure that people are looking at obstacles as opportunities, we will start writing very different stories. So where did I go with all of this? You know, I turned my own life around. I moved out of that spare room. I started diving into the research. I went out into the world to share this with people. Well, I can share with you that for the last seven years, I have spoken globally on how to activate optimism. And I have had the privilege and the pleasure of working in diverse companies. I've gone from factory floor workers to C-suite executives and shared with them simple, tiny habits, like an attitude of gratitude, like moments of mindfulness, like a little bit of exercise, what this can do when we're kind, when we take time to reflect on success, how this helps us to write a different story. And I've been fortunate enough to have over four and a half thousand people pick up their pens and write a different story with me using my 21-day Activate Optimism program. It's an email program that lands in their inbox after they've listened to my keynote or done one of my workshops. And then they actively practice how they change their story, how they change their narrative. And as a speaker, as a facilitator, I can tell you there is nothing more encouraging and enlightening to receive emails from people who finish those 21 days. I've had teams tell me that they painted an entire wall in their office yellow, and they've made it their habits for everyone to put up their daily gratitudes, their weekly gratitudes, their team successes, and then they gather on a Friday and they read back everything that's gone well that week. They said it's become fundamental to them that they do that as a team. They take a picture when the wall is full. They print out their picture. They've got a book of all their gratitudes and they keep it going. And they said they've noticed how much better they are able to deal with stress when it comes that way, how they have difficult conversations in a far more productive manner because they've built trust. They've built social connections through sharing that daily gratitude. That was one that really excited me. Another one that tickled, that really tickled me pink was a client got all their staff to take on exercise as a way to boost their optimism. Exercise has been shown to be more effective than antidepressants over time, but we don't always build it into our daily lives. So they started a competition seeing which team could speed walk the fastest around their factory buildings. And it became an entire competition. And within three months, everyone was reporting how much better they felt, how much more connected they felt, how much optimistic they felt. Small little change, but it helped them write a different story. In the middle of lockdown, in the middle of a pandemic, they found a way to use exercise, to use small little daily habits to change their results. Another team also loved the idea of exercise. So they've shared with me how they've got a bell 
that goes off three times a day. And when it goes off, someone in the team has to decide what exercise they're going to do for a minute. They're doing lunges. They're doing star jumps. They're doing press-ups. They're doing squats. They say they laugh until they cry. But it disrupts the, the stress and the pressure of the day. It brings a little bit of lightness in. It gets them moving. It gets the laughter going. And they've all noticed that when they sit back down, they are far more productive. You're probably getting by now, I am passionate about this idea of activating optimism, of helping people write different stories. We're in a crazy time and we've lived through the most unimaginable two and a half years. But when I look over the pandemic, I also see how people have written different stories in a time of tragedy and a time of difficulty. At the height of lockdown, we saw neighbors serenading each other from their balconies to connect. People found that way to bring magic into the hardness. We've seen companies that have innovated, that have been more creative than they've ever been because they were put into a scary tale, if we're going to look at it that way. And we've seen how we've used this medium of virtual to connect in different and meaningful ways across the globe. And so I am so excited that it doesn't matter where we are currently. Something as simple as choosing to write a different story can significantly translate into new and better results. Because bottom line, if you and the people in your organization are the authors of your life, then every day you get to decide, is your story being written for you or by you? When my dad reminded me that my life was a book and that I was the author of it, my entire experience started to change. And I now sit here as someone who knows that fairy tales are wonderful to read to our children. Real life is filled with delays, detours, difficulties. Things go wrong. That is a guarantee. But what we are also guaranteed is that when we look at those circumstances in a different light, if we speak about them in a new and empowering way, if we write a different story about them, we can transform our experience. And so my passion is sharing this message with organizations, helping them, empowering them with skills and tools that they can practice together for as little as a minute or two a day. Whether it's choosing to start their day with five minutes of mindfulness, listening to a guided meditation, so they start with their minds in a positive space. Or it's choosing to set an alarm and do squats and push-ups or speed walk around the building. Or paint a wall yellow and celebrate successes. Activate a growth mindset rather than feeling stuck and held. I truly believe that the world right now needs more and more ways to activate that optimism in as little as 21 days, and see how much more in the driving seat of our lives we are. So if that's something you would like me to help you do, I'd love to chat about it. You can see I'm passionate. And I stand here as living proof that we don't need to stay stuck in the spare room of our fears and our frustrations. We can look at the things that maybe scare us or we compare ourselves to, and we can find a different way to talk about it, to feel about it, and to act about it. So I am Verity. This is my invitation to you to pick up your pen, to write the story that you want your life and your organization to be telling, and then live in to that narrative. Because trust me, it's going to make for a great read.
Thank you. Verity, thank you so much for your time. I loved the message. I really did. And in particular, one part of the message that really stuck with me was how many times you mentioned your dad and obviously the profound effect he's had on you as a human being. Do you still get all warm and fuzzy thinking about your dad and how he's affected you? I do, Dwayne. Uh, it's every time I get to share his story and share his incredible attitude and approach to life with the world. It just reminds me how lucky I was to have him as a role model. Certainly as a teenager, I probably didn't appreciate it as much. I was like, why is he always so cheery and making the most out of everything? But as I've grown, as I've changed, as I've learned, having all those letters that he left for me as almost like little way markers so I wouldn't lose my way through the forest of, of life and stress has been such a game changer. And it's such a pleasure to introduce him to the world every time I speak. It is lovely, though, that positive attitude. And even though you watched your dad obviously go through some trials and tribulations, that's given you the strength now to realize that, well, he could do that. I can do this um, of that bloodline. It gives you a certain amount of courage and tenacity going forward. Is that one of the things you tell people about, that ability to draw on what you know in terms of what, where you come from? 100%. I think what's important is when we, we look at the kind of the formula for happiness, if only 10% comes from our external circumstances and 50% is genetic. So I had a mother wow. who suffered from depression and a father who was incredibly optimistic. So I got that mix, but it's the 40%, the choices we make every day that really that's in our hands, that's in our power. And if you've had a role model in your life, like I did with my dad, and you can draw on that inspiration and you can apply that attitude to what you're doing that's a choice that you're making that's not being informed by your biology or psychology or circumstances that you're in control of and that's what excites me and we should draw an inspiration of people around us and say well how can i do that in my life that's growth mindset right there how can i use their success and apply it to my own Oh, I love that. You're so right. Talking about growth mindset, and you also said something very interesting in that if you'd only known when you were a teenager that all of this could have been in your future, you would have taken it on board a lot earlier. So what would you have told a very young version of yourself, a 15 or 16 or 17 year old version of yourself? What would you have told them? What would you tell them if you could go back in time and say, look, you're going to need this later do it now start now wow i love that question <laughs> so the the first thing i would want to tell the younger me is that there is no there that is going to make you feel better or happier or like if i can just get there and have that and that perfect dream then everything will be all right the journey is here and my dad's message of work on an attitude of gratitude, if I'd embraced gratitude earlier, wow. not for the good things, it's easy to be grateful for the good things, but can you be grateful for the tough things? Can you be grateful for the heartache, for the disappointment, for the delays and go, what am I learning from this? How is this changing me? How is this shaping me? Then suddenly here becomes a great experience and you stop worrying about being there. If I could have told the 16-year-old me that she would only get married at like 43 and she needs to stop <laughs> thinking it has to happen now, I, I could have just enjoyed that instead of questioning the journey because the richness of who I am now has come from the journey taking the time it took. So enjoy the journey, stop worrying about arriving. That would have been my, my message to the younger me. 
Well, I'm glad you liked the question because I loved the answer. That was fantastic. I loved that. It made me wonder as well about, you know, that there, you mentioned there, don't worry about there, the Facebook there, the social media there. You mentioned that as well in your talk a little earlier about the fact that you are living vicariously through people's existence on social media that doesn't really exist. How, would, how do you navigate that now? I mean, how do you tell people to navigate that very difficult situation? Oh, yeah, I think it's we have to be so careful because one of the things I go into in my talks and my workshops is that our brains, unfortunately, they're Teflon for positivity and they are Velcro for negativity. Yeah. You have to be so careful where you focus your attention. In fact, research has found that people who watch the news first thing in the morning are 27% more likely to say that they had a bad day. So where are we focusing our attention? And of course, when you go onto to Facebook, it's very easy to see oh. those, oh, those their pictures. Yep. So for me, I I try to choose where I focus and I, I've, I know to see it in myself. I go, oh, wow. Yes. Okay. I'm comparing myself. I think they're perfect. Maybe I should go have a coffee with them and see what's really going on. Because we all know we're projecting the picture. Um, some people are getting more authentic, which excites me. Because it's not always perfect and it's going, what's working in my life right now? How can I be grateful for what's here right now? And then I found I, I spent less time looking at others and more time focusing on showing up as my best version, not the version that I needed to put on social media, but that I could get to the end of the day and go, I've lived this day well. I've brought the best of me to today. You're so right, though. You mentioned the word authentic, and I think that's becoming more and more real all the time. Authentic becoming real. I mean, that sounds silly in itself. But people are looking for more authentic people online, more authentic content. But it takes bravery and it takes courage, doesn't it, to be authentic? Because I think that's the key, being authentic. But it's, it's not the easiest thing in the world to do. How do you encourage people to get to that point? It's definitely not easy. I certainly find as a as a facilitator and as a speaker, when I'm doing programs with people, even in the online space, putting them into a breakout room after having introduced them to an interesting concept, maybe on how our limbic brain affects the way we show up when we're stressed. And I like to introduce it with a bit of humor. I tell my own kind of self-depreciating stories so that they can laugh at it. And then I say, go chat, go share how that shows up for you. And the nature of that question strips away pretense the authenticity shows up because you're creating a space for them to go oh yes i do quite get quite aggressive when i'm stressed or yeah. wow i tend to submit and, and isolate and people come back and whether i'm just seeing it in the chat or on the faces you can just see there's this i've had a real connection with my colleagues and we're being honest and we're all in the same boat i don't have to pretend i'm okay so I think as leaders, we have to create space for those conversations to emerge. If we don't put it into the timetable, into the agenda, everyone's going to keep projecting, trying to look okay. My journey is when we're okay with things not being okay, that's when we can, we can build up. Well, I like that. Something else that really did strike me as very interesting because I believe in it 200% is the ability for exercise to make a huge difference in mindset. I love that. Do you live that particular brand? Do you really do that yourself? Is it something that people take on board and then come back to you and say, right, that really worked for me? So I can be very honest. Exercise is my Achilles heel. I have a husband who runs a, a tennis academy and he's the sporty one. So he has to remind me 
to exercise. I have other things I value. So I'll dance around the living room and that's how I get my exercise. But it's definitely the one that I work on because I do see the positive impact it has when I do it, when I'm not getting sucked into work. But I'm blown away when I hear from people who've gone through my program, how the exercise part really transformed some people's lives who maybe had been in a very sedentary space, especially in lockdown. And whether it was, I I shared the stories of exercising with their colleagues, but other people would come back saying, I've started going for a walk around the neighborhood with two of my friends. We're connecting, we're chatting. I feel so much better. And so it really is a game changer for people who maybe haven't been using exercise in the way they can. And I know for me, I've got a friend I walk with now and that makes such a difference. So you've also got to put measures in place that keep you accountable. If, you know, say mindfulness is not something you do naturally, having a reminder, having a friend who's also doing that meditation with you makes a difference. You mentioned very quickly there about stories people come and tell you in terms of exercise, but now leaving the exercise part out of it, let's finish with this, I think. Any really, really heartwarming stories that people have come back to you after taking your advice on board, putting that into practice in a day-to-day basis, do they come back and tell you really cool stories, one of those stories you'd like to share with us? They've been, they've been a lot. I've been humbled over the years, the kind of messages I've received. I, I remember receiving a message from a very high-level um, executive saying that going through this program with me, which his team was actually tasked with, but he'd done it, he came back just saying, this has made me a better leader, a better husband, a better father. And he just said, like, I've made it a practice that I sit at the dinner table with my teenage children who I was struggling to connect with. And we share what we're grateful for at the end of every day. And we share one happy moment that we've had in that day. And it's transformed my family. And that really touched me wow. because he had he'd kind of sat at the back of the room going, I'm not doing this program. And then he took it on and he transformed. So when I hear stories like that, I'm really moved. And on the other side, people who were struggling from radical depression, um, mm. one lady had just lost her mother. She sat at a talk I did at a women's event. And she said taking on the 21-day program helped move her through the grief, reconnect with the people that could help her cope in a really difficult time. And I was humbled. I was humbled because it's not my work. You know, this is positive psychology. These are practices that are tried all over the world. All I've done is try to almost create a little process that will support people to practice it. And yeah, when I hear those changes, then I go, this is why I get on stage. This is why I do this work. You're so right though, it is humbling. And I hope this helps too, because I watched 20 minutes of your talk and you've made my day better as well. So it's a really good way to carry on from this point on. Severity, I'm going to leave you at that. I know you're a very busy lady and I think you might well be a little busier after this hits the airwaves. Ladies and gentlemen, a big round of applause for Verity. Thank you for being with us. Trust, of course, everybody is going to take something really positive and energetic from today. If indeed you would like to find out more about Verity, you simply log on to speakersinc.com. You talk to Duncan, you talk to Bronwyn, they are the best in the business. They will be able to give you more details on Verity. Watch all the online footage that will be posted there as well. Have a lovely day, everybody, and we'll see you again real soon. Thank you so much.